You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 104 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode, my guest is Oliver Martin, and we are going to talk about uh, many different things, but the theme of this episode is something called Silowaska. And what the hell is that? Well, I guess you're just going to have to keep on listening. So thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for uh, hosting this and thank you for having me talk with you. So inform the listeners a bit about who you are and what you do. Yes, I, I actually I don't know what kind of listeners you usually have and what kind of topics you usually have. Um, uh, with me, it's um, I'm uh, 41, I'm uh, having a family and all, and for three years now I'm working with mushrooms in a ceremonial setting. Uh, we're doing retreats, a friend of mine and me, and I also do one-on-one uh, sessions, and I work with toad magic and with mushroom magic, and the mushroom is enhanced uh, with... MAOI, that's a monoamine oxidase inhibiting source. In this case, it's Pegatum harmala seeds. And I've been uh, growing and been connected and using mushrooms for over 20 years. And finally now, life is granting me the chance to give it further to next generations and work with this. And it's very successful. People can get a lot out of this. And the difference between what we call psilowaska and ayahuasca, that's the typical um, sacrament being used in these days in retreats, in uh, psychedelic sessions, um, the difference is that the mushrooms can do very, very uh, potent work on our guests. It's uh, much more powerful than what the ayahuasca offers. And due to the fact that you don't extract um, plant matter, um, you're in for no nausea at all. So if they, if people perch at our retreats, which happens uh, now and then, it's usually because out of fear. It's not because they get sick from the uh, from the ingredients of the um, sacraments. Uh, mushrooms are quite easy on the stomach and uh, easy digestible. So I don't know if your listeners know what ayahuasca is. Ayahuasca is a combination uh, used by uh, shamans of the Peruvian Amazon, um, and also Bolivia and Ecuador, I guess, and Brazil. And um, they use this as a brew and it's a mix of uh, an MAOI source, in this case a lian, and Banasteropsis carpi it's called, and also a DMT source, uh, mostly it's Psychotria viridis, and um, these plants are cooked in a big pot all together, and so you have a brew which is uh, quite strong in regards to all ingredients which are in the uh, plants, so that is all stuff which makes you nauseous and uh, 
So like the whole plant is being extracted and um, these plants are also shipped all over the world meanwhile and um, many people are talking about the over harvesting of these plants and uh, when you use with the stuff we have uh, it's uh, much more economically because um, you use seeds which uh, no plant has to die for and you use mushrooms and these mushrooms are artificially grown indoors so n no nature is harmed in that way that's another benefit of psilocybin but really the main thing is that it can be much more powerful because uh, the psilocin molecule that's the active ingredient of the mushrooms it's is a more powerful molecule so yeah, um, it, we feel that there's really a need to do it different than uh, many people do it with ayahuasca. And we are quite successful with this. Um, over the past three years, there are more and more guests coming. And also the demand for one-on-one -on -one sessions is increasing. Yeah, we are in these days, you know, a society where there's a lot of psychedelic stuff going on meanwhile but how can it i mean what does the maoi inhibitor do to the mushroom because the mushroom works on itself yeah that's right uh with the ayahuasca it's needed to make the dmt orally active but with the psilocybin, it's that the maoi enhances the mushrooms five times and it also adds a certain layer of uh, harmaline activity so harmaline makes you calm makes you antidepressive gives you a um, uh, yeah a very easing feeling and in that state you are very open towards any sacrament any psychedelic uh, and mostly tryptamines get enhanced by it and the mushroom it's roughly five times so the psilocin molecule you have in the amount of mushrooms can be uh, po uh, is, is more potent, can be active five times stronger than the amount you take. So if you take like uh, 10 to 15 milligrams, that's what we give on these weekends roughly, um, it's five times stronger, so it equals 50 to 75 milligrams, and that's a very high dose. So the hamaline, the MAOI, makes it possible that you take a small amount but have a big outcome. I haven't done it this way you're explaining, but I have done uh, just mushrooms and I have done um, ayahuasca. And uh, if I compare those two, I feel the mushrooms is extremely weak compared to the ayahuasca if you do it in the normal way. Uh, and uh, you say it's five times stronger, but... Even the strongest experience I've had with mushrooms was still more than five times weaker than the ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah, so it depends what kind of mushroom you take. So it, uh, therefore you have a certain amount of uh, psilocin molecule. You see, the, the psilocin molecule itself is ten times stronger than DMT molecule. If you have a very strong uh, DMT brew, a very strong ayahuasca brew you are going for roughly 150 to 200 milligrams of molecules of DMT and a usual dose of uh, mushrooms is 15 to 20 milligrams of psilocin. 
So you see it's 150 to 200 or 15 to 20, it's 10 times more potent, the psilocin molecule. Psilocin is 4-hydroxyl DMT, so it's, uh, it's very close to DMT. And many people believe that it's an orally active DMT molecule. Because in the brain it just feels like, in the experience it just feels like, uh, like DMT. The thing is that if you had, for example, cubensis mushrooms, which is most likely because many people work with this type of mushroom, um, it's a rather weak species, so it's, um, so it's roughly 0.5%, um, so half a percent per gram of molecules. So even if you have this heroic dose uh, Terence McKenna talks about, which would be 5 grams dried, then we are still roughly only at, two, uh, at 25 milligrams of molecules. And that is compared to a strong ayahuasca. And you got to have a strong though. Um, it's different. The other thing is really that the hamaline opens up the system in a, in a very deep, profound way. So um, not to forget that the hamaline itself has a magic. There's another aspect also is that uh, from myself and people close to me, uh, after the if you just do ayahuasca, the day after you feel re re uh, rejuvenated, you know, you feel really good, healthy. But the day after you've done the mushrooms, you know, you, you know, it can ache in the body and you like the the liver is in a way affected. Like it takes a bigger, the body takes a bigger beating. That's, I don't know for a fact. I'm just saying from what I've sensed. That's, that's your experience then. I can tell you of many people witnessing um, uh, the, the weekends um, and from my own experience and from others um, that they don't have this. So um, it really depends the source of mushrooms you have. It's um, it, it's strongly relating to also how you grow the mushrooms, and um, so I mean what you what you get in, that's what you get out or uh, get out from it, have from it. So I can't tell you for sure what happened in your case. It is enough that you might think uh, in a bad way of the mushrooms. That's only might that only might be enough to to have not a similar thing out of the um, ayahuasca, but it's you know um, it's surely all individual experience. It's just I can I can tell you from my experience and from that of the people I've worked with um, that it's very profound um, uh, active on these people and it has this this lasting effect of serotonin uplift and just like with typical ayahuasca experience but many people say it's much much stronger what they had on our weekends so um yeah it's you know uh there's only one thing to find out and that is experience so maybe you have um you have the chance to try it out Best would be with someone taking care of you, because it can be very, very strong, um, depending on the dose you take. 
and therefore a sitter is really important. Um, we don't see ourselves as guides on these weekends, you know. Um, we're, we are working a little in a shamanic sense because we have incense, we have uh, aqua florida, we have like uh, shipibo cloths hanging on the wall and stuff. But we are no we are no shamans in any way, like no singing, energy shifting. We don't take stuff ourselves. We are sober, so I see it more like uh, scientifically or more like a like a Western setting. You know, we are Westerners here. So um, for me personally, it's really important that we that we use the sacrament in a way. Uh, uh, that that we are like alike, you know that uh, you know we are Westerners. We are love to have a safe place to do this. So that's also a different than uh, difference. That there is no diet at our weekends. Um, we have very special places, uh, very home feeling, um, very home feel supporting places, and everyone has a bed for themselves. So it's quite comfortable on our weekends because we believe that if the if the mind is at ease then it's more easier for the mind to release. And that's what it's all about. Another aspect regarding the, the strength of the ayahuasca is as it has become more and more popular and as and you can do it more without having to go to the Amazon. There has been like a tendency to weaken it because people don't want to have a big problems, so they make it a bit weaker. So I would say like the really strong ayahuasca, you, you probably have to go down to the Amazon and find a proper place or find somebody not in the Amazon, but they make it properly because, you know, if you initiate a couple of people now and again, you know, you can have a strong dose, but if you start doing it like every week, the, the statistical chance of you getting somebody that's going to cause problems, you know, so that's why they, you know, make it a bit weaker for their own peace of mind. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's also a thing that they need to import the plants and they have a certain cost, so they want to have costs low. But it's, you know, there are these and that. Uh, you can't say for certain that everyone weakens it. It's Some people do, or many uh, others not. I personally uh, was with Jeroen, with my partner, at a retreat in the Netherlands where original Shipibo ayahuasca was served because two Shipibo brought it from the Amazon. So it was very strong ayahuasca, I can say from my own experience, cooking myself uh, ayahuasca. And also I've been using DMT crystals with peganum seeds. So um, if you use this, you know, you don't have any nausea. The nausea really comes from the plant material in there. So the DMC, DMT itself is not causing nausea and the hamana seeds also don't. So um, if you use um, extracted DMT plain crystals, you can go very high with dosage and also stay out of uh, nausea. There's also healing if you drink ayahuasca and you don't drink, you just drink the the vine. You don't, you know, you don't drink the, you don't get an effect. But on its own, it still has a uh, 
like uh, healing properties? Um, there is a tribe in the um, uh, in the Amazon, I guess, uh, which uses only um, the hamalin, um, the ayahuasca. Yes, and um, they make it very, very strong, very powerful. And if you take like five grams of peganum seeds, you can have yourself. Uh, a guess of where this uh, trip is going it it can be very strong uh, psychedelic on its own um i personally am not a fan about, uh, of it i'm a mushroom man you know so um but but people are doing this yes have you ever attended a santo daime uh, ceremony this ayahuasca church i because i know they have a, a chapter in in the netherlands because you mentioned you you've been to the netherlands um no actually not it's um i'm not i'm not going much to ceremonies because you know <laughs> i have i have all the stuff myself at my place so um i don't see a sense in that so uh, i'm also not using it much you know so when i hear of people doing 50 sessions per year i i personally believe that's then just another drug addiction you know so uh, for me personally, there's no difference um, if you do uh, 50 times ayahuasca per year, or if you, um, you know, whatever, smoke weed or drink alcohol or shoot up heroin or anything. It's just you're following a, a pleasant effect on your mind and constantly need to do this to feel better. So, um, you see, we are, we're having this certain view on addictions when uh, so many things which are not uh, necessarily related to substances are addictions to behavior patterns you know or television sex all these things sugar there's a lot of addiction going on which is not uh, necessarily um, a substance abuse but it, isn't it difficult to be addicted to mushrooms because isn't it true that if you eat it like every day eventually the you have no effect, like it cancels itself out? That's the tolerance of psilocin, but we were talking about, I was talking about of people doing uh, repetitively ayahuasca sessions. I've met people and they said, well, this is, uh, uh, I had 50 sessions of ayahuasca this year, so I'm not making this up. So I personally meet a, um, someone and others, you know, who are doing a lot of this stuff. So... And and funnily, you know, they came to our retreat and then they said, wow, that was, that was quite different, you know, that was much stronger than what I had. So, um, yeah, it's become quite popular with microdosing these days, but I, I have this slogan that I'm more interested in macrodosing. And when you macrodose, you, you have to have some rest period, sometimes for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually, I'm not really... Um, into the uh, into this you know so um i'm coming from this um from this place where i say sacraments are a vehicle yeah where you're open up to god where you're open up to the truth of your being and once you've got that picture you know you just uh, like ella watt said hang up the phone you got the message hang up the phone so once you understand that the trip of life is the real trip and it's not about mushroom trip or ayahuasca trip or any other stuff like this but that's uh, that it is about the trip of life 
and that you can learn from daily business and learn from other people um, you interfere uh, you um, uh, interact with in your life um, then you can get much further in the progress you know of um, you know not using anything at all and um, I mean you know it's everyone does what they do you know I'm not judging I'm just saying I'm different than um, maybe the typical retreat holder or the, the typical uh, sacrament I interested the psychonaut or so yeah I'm just um, using this all in a different uh, way so uh, for me it's really important that on the weekends the information we give additionally to the uh, to the sacraments that is the five methoxy and the psilocin uh, that the information is important that what to do with this experience and not only give the experience but also give um, advice or um, share experience of what can be done with it you mentioned god what's your view or experience of god how do you see it yeah god god is just another word for love for um the oneness for the universe for the for the all for the um you know the divine samsara nirvana emptiness fullness it's all just words pointing to the to the one behind the words yeah so the um it's the, the word is the only matter uh, you use for the immaterial for the um for the yeah you know for for what's behind for what is in all of us the one unitary it so god is just a beautiful word for that that's why i love to use the word god but i surely don't mean the christian uh, approach of it yeah that's the reason actually the christian approach to it was the reason i for many years was an atheist because and in that sense i still am an atheist when it comes to the christian god because i never from my experiences uh, it's correct that there is no man <laughs> you know with some you know walking around so yeah that's true it, it, it's not true but you know like before i started my own journeys with this i thought i thought that was the only option but then uh, i realized there was this more like energy kind of thing uh, you can't really describe it yeah energy is another word yes and um as uh, with christianity just in in, uh, in uh, like all these religions it's still about duality you know um christianity needs this person being a god so there is separation created it's like uh god is a higher being and uh everything coming from the surface sees the duality as more important than the non-duality um and that is what uh, what i like to see different or what i like to uh, share as different that there is no duality that the duality is just an idea we have in our mind i like the comedian bill hicks view on god and the devil 
uh, he's also a, a frequent, or he, well, he's dead, but he used to do mushrooms. And he said that, how can there be a devil? I mean, what what can oppose God? It's so powerful, they can't, they can't be like an adversary. It's, it's with the good and the bad thing, you know. It's, uh, uh, I was believing I hated my dad all the years before I had my awakening. Uh, but actually I was loving him uh, desperately and were just holding back this love. And that's what we call hate then, you know. So it's all love. But if love is very strong and you hold it back, then uh, that's what we call hate. So um, in the end, you know, it's all one. It's just a play of form um, that uh, the divine took on to experience itself. Because the oneness, you know, it can't experience itself. So the creation of the universe is just a play to experience um, the greatness of the one unitary yeah, I had a similar experience in my life where I, my father abandoned me when I was very little and all, all through my life I hated him and I planned like my revenge and I was going to one day, I was going to like, you know, have a face-to-face meeting and, you know, do something violent or I don't know what I was going to do. And then finally in one uh, ayahuasca ceremony, I, uh, I just let him go. And, uh, and, when I came back to home after that, because this was in Peru, only a couple of months later, I got a letter that he died. So I don't know if I let him go, so he died, or I, or you know, imagine the pain if I hadn't done that and he died, then he would have been much worse. Also, so it, it was really perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's um, even though if you have it uh, not on the surface, the piece, yeah. It's uh, the energy you radiate is enough. So what you have in your heart is absolutely enough. So, um, yeah, um, it's all about, um, you know, uh, letting go of of anger, of separation. And uh, ultimately, you know, we understand and humanity as a whole will understand that we are all one, you know, and that um, all life in a human body and with these forms around here it's just play and that we can either play it lightly and with joy and with fun or we making a problem out of it but um, in the end you know it doesn't matter what we think or what we even do because uh, life is always doing the best anyway you know so decisions we are constantly trying to make it's not our decision you know it's the decision being made by god so it all develops the best for us but it sounds so great for the mind to make decisions you know so um, in in the end you know um it's all good and and that's also something um marachi you know he said to ramdas Ramdas wanted to help um, when there was this big uh, earthquake in Bangladesh. And Ramdas said, oh, I want to go there, I want to help, you know, Marachi, let, let me go, you know. And Marachi said, can't you see it's all perfect? You know, all the suffering is just perfect. 
because that's the other side of what is taking place on the other side of the planet with all the joy, you know, children being born and um, all the beautiful things, you know. For every sunset, um, you know, the night comes then. So it's all, you know, yin and yang. And so it can't be else but perfect. It's we and uh, believing our human mind that uh, is is calling these things good or these things bad. But actually it's all perfect, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, giving up into that and following the wisdom of life, um, that is really the clue. <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned similar ideas to people and they always go the extreme counter-argument where they say, well, it's not good for a woman who gets gang-raped, you know. And uh, and I tr- try to say, well, maybe not in that moment, but on the infinite time scale perspective, uh, you know, the, you have a different view of it. Could have been the best thing, not for her in that moment, because that then it's very horrible to go through, of course. But who knows what uh, previous lives or what, you know, you could even have the theory that maybe she was a gang rapist in a previous life and now she had to go through the suffering herself and in the next life she will understand that, you know, you you shouldn't do that. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's how I see it too. It's... um... It, it all develops, you know, beautifully, like life decided. And the mind might not understand in that moment, but the more conscious you are, the more you're able to understand, at least afterwards. So, you know, all things have a meaning. And if, you, if you're very conscious for what is happening, then you can, then you're being gifted and granted to understand the meaning behind it. And that's what makes it so beautiful, you know, when you see what's happening and then yourself uh, being able to see why it is happening. And I often have this and I get goose skin all over, you know, I just get this uh, very uplifting, energetic feeling in the body because I see, aha, you know, that's why I've been getting that. And the moment before that, I was suffering from it, yeah? But, you know, that's life. It's, um, I'm always saying to the, the guests on my weekends and people coming to me um, that it's not about, you know, you have an awakening and then you've been the perfect person you always wanted to be. It's more that the awakening opens your consciousness to another level and in that opened consciousness you are able to see more and more the genius of life the uh, interconnection of all things and and the deeper meaning behind your life and and the more progress and the more life you live afterwards um the less you fall into the traps of the mind you've been falling into all your life and it's actually all programmed old stuff you're reliving every day so I can tell you pretty much where my stuff is coming from and maybe you know where your stuff is coming from. But that really is the thing to find out why am I like this 
and not to judge that, but just understand why we are like that, and then be gentle with ourselves, forgive ourselves, and approach all of this with love. Because that little child in us, you know, that just needs love, the love it never has gotten, you know, by the father, by the mother, by the surroundings, by the siblings, you know, by itself. So, um, I, I recently have a, I have a, a very small child, and uh, uh, it will probably receive ten times more love than either of its parents got in their lives. You know, because we're both uh, very conscious. Do you have an idea of what what could be a future problem if a child is too loved? Is could there be such could there be like a, you know a consequence of that that you know goes the wrong way? I'm just speculating. I'm just worried. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go too far. I can tell you some words about my experience because I have three kids in the teens. Yeah, so I'm a bit further on the line. On the other hand, I like I. Um, told before in other podcasts and on the side I've been on this trip for six years so before that I was kind of as unconscious as you can be but I've never been not loving my uh, children um, uh, other than unconditionally so I always loved them unconditionally and that's a really important thing and unconditional love can't be too much or too less, you know. It's it's unconditional or it is not. But if it's unconditional love, then it's all good. Right? That doesn't interfere the place you do with the kids. So see, my kids, like I tell, uh, told you, are in the teens. So now they get different parentizing than they got when they were young. And the real important thing is, yeah, being on a spiritual path and being conscious doesn't mean you don't play father or you don't play mother because if you don't play mother or father the kid can't be a child it's really important that the child learns to be a human being so it has a functioning ego to be a um, a good functioning society member And that means um, you never forget the unconditional love, but you got to set boundaries as a parent. But it's not that the ego sets the boundaries out of like anger or so, yeah? So kind of you got to be conscious for if you have anger somewhere in you from someone else, for example, and you get home to your parents, that you not release this anger on your parents Uh, in a way of parentizing them it's always uh, you got to be very conscious for for how you parentize but you need to play father if you don't do this um, then the 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 children really uh, they don't have a chance to be a child and um, that's really important so it's you know that's that's what I've been saying we play life with joy, with fun, and lightly. But it's not about being the guru sitting in a cave and being spiritual and going to ayahuasca uh, 50 times per year. It's about being a human being fully, 
with the lightness and the wisdom that it's all just play and all just play of forms and that you are God and the creation all in one and that you don't have a chance against the wisdom of life. You know, so in the end, life is parentizing the kids. It's just you as a father are the vehicle to transport it. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's the few words I have to say about it. Follow your heart, you know. Follow always your heart. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, I also like to add because I've had this debate with people also that well, if you if if life is just play and everything is good, then you know then you can just go around uh, killing people, and um, so. It, it can be easily misunderstood and be like a dangerous thing. So, it, I mean, I just wanted to clar clarify that you, you know, um, you would eventually like have a really bad, bad game if you did that. <laughs> uh, pers personally, I would say to these people, you know, who say you can easily go around and kill people, I would, I would say to these people, well, if it's so easy, because this is all play of mind, you know, the mind needs uh, all this. So it goes in the opposite direction and says, yeah, when, if, then, you know. Um, you, you can tell these people, well, for starters, uh, go to the supermarket around the corner and steal something expensive for me, please. And then see how many people stand up and do this. You know what I mean? It's You can talk a lot, but actually what it takes to kill a human being You know, I don't think that is a, a karma easily to live through. I don't think so. And believe me, uh, although I don't have a clue, you know, I personally would say that if you kill someone, you will have a tough next life and maybe life after that and incarnation after that, you know. So um, I, I have this theory that it's not that you like somebody else decides that okay you were a bad bad boy you have to experience this bad thing i have this idea that when you die you reach a higher state so you actually make that choice yourself like oh man that was stupid the uh, thing is that who knows you know <laughs> because next incarnation we have lost all what we gained in this so um i mean on a conscious uh, on, on a surface level you know um, well, you have two options in life. Either you you live your life expecting that when you die, it's just going to go black. There's nothing, or you live your life knowing that you know something. It continues, but if you live your life thinking that it's going to continue and it doesn't, you, you won't you won't know about it because you'll be dead. But if you live your life thinking that there's nothing and there is, you're going to have a shock. So strategically it's best to think there is an afterlife because if if you if for some reason you and i are wrong we won't even know about it <laughs> yeah yeah um on the other hand uh the experiences i had with psilocybin and also with 5 meo dmt and dmt high dose uh gave me a sense and a first hand experience of what non duality is about so, um, I mean, I can't recall what is actually in there, but 
the few bits I can remember coming out of it just give me now the memory that, uh, yeah, what I'm talking about, you know, that, that we all go back home into this one unitary energy, you know, sign, yeah, not what is behind the word energy, yeah, so, uh, and that this is actually all around here, uh, in everything, behind everything, everything is made out of it, so, um, I like to call it the divine mystery, it's another word, yeah, there are so many words you can use for it, it's, uh, it's just behind all those words, you know, so, but yeah, I've had similar experiences where I've experienced those things. When a few years has passed, you remember them and you know that it's like that. But the world you're living in, you know, you, the doubt can come in or you start like questioning it. And you like, you know, the longer distance you have from the experience, you know, it weakens a bit. But then if you like a few years later have another experience... Then you go, oh, yeah, well, there is no doubt about it, you know. <laughs> uh, so um, you usually talk about um, only like uh, sacramental experiences. I mean, um, it, it's called natural born alchemists. You're only talking about this or? No, uh, well, the theme is usually some form of, because, uh, you know, uh, for me, alchemy is about uh, transformation or changing something into something else so uh, and working with the sacred plants is definitely that but then I also have a lot of like alchemists that are working not with any psychedelics at all but they're doing other things to achieve similar effects or you know people who are doing uh, you know other techniques of various kinds or or sometimes you know like one time I had an ex a guy who made a documentary on Bitcoin, because I think that's interesting, or, you know, alternative or an anarchist, anything that's like uh, under the radar, basically. Uh, Well, well, things that I think is interesting. (laughs) Yeah, being human is chemistry all over. So, uh, (laughs) you know, the human body is chemistry all over. So everything fits. My my friend Diederik... uh, uh, is a big fan of yours he listens and loves your podcast so he's he uh, uh, told me hey ask uh, Alex maybe you know he wants to talk with you so that's how I came up but I'm sorry you know I I couldn't find the time the past week to uh, to actually go into and uh, and seek through your um, through your podcast which I will promise I will do um, yeah so um it's kind of like actually it's it's it comes from an ayahuasca ceremony where you know like before in my life i used to like because i'm quite creative and i do different things but i was always like uh, taking everything too seriously and i was never like make finishing anything because it wasn't ready for some reason and then in one ayahuasca ceremony i was just told like just just do just do it just do it. Whatever it is, just do it. So when I came back home after one after a trip to Peru, I uh, podcasting was starting to kick off, and I I, I was listening to a, a podcast, and I thought, oh, I I I want to do a podcast. So then I just started doing it, and the amazing thing about it is that because it 
has become its own thing. Like I, I have no control over it. Now I've managed to like all these authors and people that I've been reading and listening to while I was doing my own research for my own life. Now I've actually met them and talked to them and like. If you if you ever get Nick uh, Sand, you know Nicholas Sand, <laughs> for a podcast, you know he would be the alchemist per se. Uh, the LSD man. I hope you know him. Yes, I actually tried to. I tr- actually, I remember I was trying to. I can't remember if I found an email or not, but uh, uh, I was trying to get hold of him, but I, I failed for some reason. So I, I talked to Joanna, you know, Joanna, uh, who was married with uh, Tim Leary, and she's doing a podcast. Um, oh, I forgot how it's called. I'm sorry. Um, sorry, Joanna. Um, so she, uh, we talked, and and I said, hey, if you can, if you meet Nick, so, uh, you know, through your connections, yeah, just tell him about my work, you know, because our, I would love to have Ramdas knowing what I do with the mushrooms, because I'm in both footsteps. One on one footstep, he's doing the, he he was doing the the work with Tim, you know, with psilocybin, uh, with psilocybin and and LSD. And on the other hand, I've been given further his teachings and uh, from Araji, you know, his guru and stuff. So, I mean, we are, we are you and me, we are both on the same page. We are just wanting to give uh, more consciousness to the world. So I'm doing this retreat. So it's not, in my regards, it's also not about the money. I mean, you have to ask, uh, we, we ask donations, you know, so you can't pay all costs attached to the weekends. But uh, it's really about giving the the um, the wisdom of life further, the um, the consciousness for real existence, and um, yeah. So um, it it's like you say, you know, meeting the people uh, who g- gave you so much. That's just a beautiful gift, you know. So um, yeah, great great stuff. Yeah, I remember. I don't know if it's true, but I I remember reading somewhere that the last words of Timothy Leary before he died was "Why, why not?" <laughs> yes. And and he apparently he filmed it as well. His death, of of, but it's not like you know, it's not on YouTube or anything. It's private for the family. But yeah, Tim was a clever boy, a bit crazy like we all, you know. So that's with me too, you know. The funny thing is that I do these weekends, yeah, or I I speak publicly. Meanwhile, like on on uh, last year, I spoke for breaking convention in London, and uh, here and there I do other talks. And um, this is where I want to see myself because uh, sometimes you know there are really profound words flowing through my uh, mouth, and um, just like with Ramdas, you know, there's stuff coming through me. Which is not coming from my my mind, but from my heart, yeah, and um, so from the source directly. So I've been giving these uh, talks, yeah. But on the other hand, my mind, my ego, yeah, is a, a sociophobe, you know. So I'm afraid of big crowds. More than three people get me uptight, yeah. So so I'm constantly, you know. Um, uh, yeah, healing in quotes. Yeah, I'm learning a lot from from doing this work. When I have on a weekend twelve people now, it was fourteen even. Um, it's twelve people looking at me, you know, and uh, 
still I stay there, uh, still I be conscious, I talk to them and I even uh, deliver them security and have the full responsibility for them over this weekend. So it's, uh, it's amazing, you know, that life gives us the chance um, to do things where we can get Uh, much more out than the things itself, but on a deeper level. So we get further uh, in in our uh, incarnation, you know. It's really cool, like, you know, parentizing, uh, um, child, um, how you say, parenthood, yeah? Like having children, that's the trip of life. I mean, who, you know, you know it yourself. People who don't have children, they just don't understand. They can't understand it. You can't theorize having a child. And they're so annoyed when they hear somebody say what you just said also. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, sure. But that's, you know, we are all living in a world of uh, knowledge, yeah? So it's a big thing to, be, uh, to have knowledge, yeah? And to be teached and to do all things theoretically. But in the end, the only true wisdom, and that's what really is important, not knowledge, but wisdom, comes from experience so you know going back to our topic when you said uh, well i have this and that experience with mushrooms and i have this and that with ayahuasca then you're in a position actually to say something about it what i would say to you since you are so experienced uh, maybe try the psilawaska out yeah and see for yourself if it makes a difference to the mushrooms also um You know, um, it it is really depends on the material you're using, on the mushroom material you're using. So, um, it you know, there there is uh, wisdom and knowledge, and the society is a knowledge society. But wisdom is so much more important, and uh, that comes only from experience. So yes. that's really the the beautiful thing that not sitting there thinking about what should I do, what should I do, what should I do, but just going in there, trying it out and see for yourself what happens. And then you know, you know, what what's it all about. And the funny thing is, if it if it is not running well for the mind, then be able to consciously see what it gives you on a deeper level, how it teaches you on a on a deeper level so you get further in your incarnation it doesn't please the mind but it uh, gives wisdom to the heart so that's the beauty of life you know that life is full of of uh, beauty and life is full of um, uh, yeah amazement and like everything you know and and if you only think about it that's not really it um I remember one time, me and a couple of friends, we did a, a mushroom ceremony. And one of the guys, he, it was his first time, and he panicked for some reason. And he, and he kept he kept saying, I don't know who I am, I don't know who I am. And then my friend, who was more experienced, said, you lucky bastard. <laughs> On the other hand, you, you could have asked him, but uh, who is it saying... Who who I uh, I don't know who I am, you know. So <laughs> if there is someone saying that, there is someone there. So 
I also get that when I look at my baby, like I'm thinking like, who is this person? Yes, yes, who, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's so beautiful, man. That's some, some days ago with mine that they were little. Now they have huge egos already. Yeah. It's okay, you know, it's not, they never forget love. That's the beauty, that's the beauty of unconditional love. Um, if you raise your child, uh, your children with unconditional love, they will never forget that either. And you can lose yourself in fights, but in the end you hug and you uh, apologize maybe if needed and you definitely hug each other and there is no anger in the end of the day, you know. And that is unconditional love and that is very powerful because this doesn't create um, a longing for love, you know. That doesn't create a longing on the outer level, you know, on, on things. So this is what we are all having, is this longing for something uh, to give us love, to give us uh, security, to give us um, pleasure, yeah. And um, yeah, we are full of that, the whole society is full of that. But, you know, it's getting better, yeah? It's, uh, some people say Donald Trump is, uh, is the worst thing could happen at the moment uh, to the U.S., you know? But obviously, if it happens, then I guess he is now president, yeah? So, um, so there's a higher meaning behind that, a deeper meaning behind that. And um, that's with all things in life, yeah? And, I mean, uh, I, I never can understand that uh, that they now have legalized wheat everywhere or at least in so many states already you know they were the ones forbidding it in the first place and and that is definitely also showing that there is something happening that is perfect you know because don donald trump but you know forget about his beliefs you know he's quite funny to watch when he speak like george bush he was also funny because you know, they're like clowns. So it's perfect that they're legalizing weed because then you can be an American, you can smoke weed and you can watch your president speak and it would just be hilarious. It's, I don't know, some people say that Hillary Clinton is the the candidate from the, uh, from the um, uh, George Bush uh, party, you know, so uh, she would be just another George Bush kind of character and I mean, overall, you know, if you've seen the Zeitgeist uh, documentations, the documentaries, Zeitgeist, I don't know if you know them, uh, there is something much worse or there's something much more behind all that. It's, um, it's this, uh, um, uh, this bank system which is really uh, steering us all, which is really leading society and creating society. So... Anyway, I mean, that's the beauty of um, of having seen that we are all one, you know. Um, you can just lay back and say, hey, life is taking care, God is taking care, I don't have to take care of all of that, you know. The best thing I can do is uh, start the next day and be, and be li- nice to people around me, you know, try to make the best out of the day and try to... Um, to give people love instead of, uh, yeah, instead of the opposite, you know, whatever the opposite is. And uh, 
and that's what I've been trying the past years, you know, uh, to do little things, you know, to now with my, with the Psilowaska work, it's getting more and more that I do big things because people uh, who have been with me or have been on the weekends, they really are deeply changed and shifted. It's, uh, it's amazing what we are uh, witnessing every month on these weekends. Uh, you won't believe it. It's, uh, People are coming together as strangers on the Friday and on the Sunday they in tears because they can't let go of each other like family members. It's unbelievable. Just 48 hours between. Uh, very powerful uh, weekends. And, um, you know, uh, in, uh, and, and in all of this, it's Yehud and me and we haven't taken anything, but we are on the same level energetically. And that shows that there is nothing needed but love, you know. It's not about mushrooms, it's not about toad, it's not about ayahuasca, it's not about uh, LSD or anything. It's just about love and coming together. Just these sacraments, they help to speed up the process, you know. There are many retreats uh, where you go repetitively to, like um, 10 sessions or so, 10 weekends, and in the end, without sacraments, you reach the same place. You reach the same kind of love level and connection. My mom, you know, she was at a dying retreat. Yeah, So she was learning to help people. Um, uh, and it wasn't a dying retreat. It was help people to cope with their grief. Yeah, So it's a different thing. Yeah, uh, So she was going there. And the first session, she said, she said to me, "Oh, Ollie, I don't know if I go again. It's these people are so strange. This this person is so strange, and this and that." And I said to her, "Hey, mom, you know, just go there and just witness the thoughts in your mind, and stay with these people, and and just be conscious uh, for what you think and for what is reality." And uh, after she finished the whole retreat, she was so in love with these people, you know, and, and they didn't take any mushrooms for sure. So this is what I've been telling, you know, it's these the, the sacrament retreats, the psychedelic retreats, it's just a different form of retreat. It's coming together with people in an open state is all it takes. And, uh, and the sacraments, the psychedelics, they just speed up the process. I mean, intensely, you have to say. I guess on the ayahuasca sessions you had, it was uh, similar here and there. Uh, it depends on how how small or how close the group could be. Uh, and yeah, we, we take really a great... Um, uh, I say we, we, we take great preparations that uh, the most important thing is that you meet uh, in love on the weekends. And so we keep, uh, we keep the, um, the participant numbers low and we have very comfortable stuff around and we have lots of talking ple uh, present. Before, before we finish, uh, I just want to talk a bit about Toad because I don't think we ever covered that subject on the podcast. And uh, I mean, do you have like living Toads? Uh, 
Um, yeah, toad man. Yeah, they say toad medicine. I say toad magic. Uh, it's the secretion of Bufo alvarius toads, and these toads are uh, from the Sonoran Desert, and uh, there are some people working with this stuff, but all of the others they get their secretion from the desert from living toads. So I have uh, living toads at my place. Uh, I take care for ten toads, uh, no, for eight. I'm sorry, for eight toads. And I've raised them uh, from the size of a thumbnail, yeah? So a little bigger than a thumbnail. And from that size, I raised them. They were a captive breed in Germany, so they're from Europe. And uh, I got them very little, and I raised them. And they're all healthy and cool and live in a big vivarium. So... Um, You know, the love I invest in them, they give back through their secretion. And that's the beautiful thing uh, of the toads uh, I have and of the magic uh, I give further. And in the Netherlands, 5-methoxy-DMT synthesized is also legal. So with both stuff, you can, can, uh, you can work here. And... Can you touch them, or, or do you lick them, or how, how does it work? Yeah, you gotta you gotta hold them, and since these uh, toads know me, uh, and they are kind of tame to me, and they trust me, uh, they are not so afraid. You know, uh, you've maybe heard of Octavio Reddick, and people who met him and have who have milked toads with him in the desert, they always tell that the, the toads pee on them and that they're afraid, you know. So if toads are heavily afraid, then they pee, yeah. And my toads don't do this. I take them, hold them, talk to them, kiss them, and then gently I squeeze the big glands behind the head. I usually only squeeze the big glands, because that's already enough and I just milk them once not repeat this procedure just do it once and I do this every two months so not too often uh, literature says you can do it every four weeks but I really take care for the health of my toads and it's really um, it's it's the most important thing and yeah so Some people are having difficulties with smoking, so for them we also have the synthetic 5-methoxy-DMT. And the beautiful thing uh, with this uh, molecule overall, with the 5-methoxy-DMT, is um, that it has the ability, in a very short duration, it's just 10 minutes active in the brain, And it starts after 30 seconds because it's smoked. And all smoked substances go directly through the blood pain, brain barrier in the brain. They don't need to go through the bloodstream, through the heart. They go from the lung in the brain. And that's why it takes only 30 seconds till they are active. And this molecule is so powerful um, that it sends you immediately in a non-dual state. That means 
you're being vanished into a high energetic state. It's not very visual. It's more like a white light, but it's more like clear light. Yeah, it's a clear white light. Uh, but that's all you see. And you just uh, totally go out of the mind. So you strip yourself off of the body. And um, the benefit is that this experience is very powerful and you, uh, there's a high chance if you do it in a dark surrounding, lying on the ground, that you let go easily out of, uh, let go of the body. Um, but if you resist this energy, it can be really intense. So the struggle and, uh, like you said, it's it's like screaming and kicking and all kinds of resistance can be really intense. That's why a sitter is so important with this. So the excrete the, the thing you excrete from the uh, or extract from the the toad you smoke. Yeah, it's the secretion. It's called yeah the toad has glands all over the body, that's little glands, and these glands, uh, they secrete um, um, like, a, like a milky substance. It's, it's not much moisture in there, it's 30% only, uh, and it's like milky, you know, it, it, it's a bit like, like semen, uh, but, but less moist, yeah? And, or, you know, it's like a pimple, you know? So this stuff, uh, it's dried, it goes very fast and it's dried, scraped, cut it, and then you can smoke it. Is it like smoking uh, normal DMT? No, no. Uh, normal DMT you would more evaporate. Uh, and the bu- uh, the bufalvario secretion uh, is more you burn it. I layer it in between uh, of toad skin, yeah? So the, the toads, they shed themselves and they leave skin behind. Uh, most of the skin they eat, but from the feet they leave behind. So you can dry and clean that, cut it, and then you can put a lower level and a top level. So the secretion is not burned directly, it's indirectly burned. And, um, but you still have to smoke it really with smoke, yeah? So uh, what Octavio Reddick does, he uses a crack pipe and uh, heats it from below to evaporate it. But I've not been successful with this, so I burn it. And um, but it, it, I mean, like it's not similar in in effect of like when you smoke DMT crystals and this. No, 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 no. no. DM, DMT is NMD methyl tryptamine. And 5-methoxy-DMT is uh, the f- methoxylated DMT and it's the fifth position on the indole ring where the methoxy group sit, see, uh, sits. Do they know why they have this, the, f- the toads? What's the point for them to have it? It's there because all bufo, yeah, uh, um, toads, toad means bufo or bufo means toad, all toads produce bufotenin. And the bufotenin is, let me say, it's, I guess it's 5-H-O-D-M-T, yeah? No, 5-O-H, 5-O-H-D-M-T, yeah? So 
the Bufa Alvarius toad is the only toad, and as far as we know, the only living being who has an enzyme which is able to methoxylate the OH group on the uh, bufotenin. So from the 5-OH, it makes 5-MeO. And that's why it has 5-MeO-DMT. And also it has bufotoxins. And these bufotoxins is the poison, <coughs> the poison of the secretion. And the toad needs the poison to, numbs uh, to numb predators. Like if there's a coyote attacking it and the coyote bites the toad, <clears throat> then the toad um, shoots the secretion out and the coyote is not dying, but it gets numb. Yeah, The, to your, uh, the coyote uh, is numb for half an hour. So it's knocked out, yeah, so to speak. That's why it's also so important um, to leave the wild animals, the white, uh, wild toads, to leave them their secretion because they can't defend themselves if you if you uh, squeeze them of their secretion. I mean, the toads living at my place, they don't have coyotes around, yeah? So they, they are cool to be milked. But if you go into the desert, these toads can't defend themselves afterwards. Um, this is all things I'm saying that because I want to, ra uh, to raise attention that this guy's doing this, there are a few guys doing this, and that they are not thinking about the toad, you know, it's, they are harvesting huge amounts of this secretion, and um, I'm not, I don't think that's a good thing, but different story. <coughs> so, the, the bufotoxins uh, will be burned from the fire. So you can't eat it, you have to burn it. And the 5-MAO-DMT is evaporated from the heat. It's very fire-resistant. It's not easily getting oxidized like plain DMT. If you burn DMT directly, you waste most of the material, or at least some of the, a big amount of the material. And with 5-methoxy-DMT, that's not the case. 5-methoxy-DMT uh, is more heat-resistant, so you can burn it directly. Mm -hmm. And DMT... Sorry, people, yeah. sorry. sorry, sorry. Yeah, DMT is five times weaker than 5-methoxy-DMT. So the, the full-release dose, and there are people believing you can't fully release with, five, uh, with DMT. Yeah, and then DMT... Like like um, Martin Ball and others, they say DMT is not meant to fully release. That's not true. You can have the same experience you have with 5-methoxy-DMT also with NN-DMT. You just need the right dose. If you go for 50-60 milligram plus of the DMT smoked, then you go for a full release non-dual experience too. It's the same space you reach. Um, I can tell from my own experience, from a lot of my own experience. So 5-methoxy uh, is just 5-6 times stronger than 
DMT. So 15 milligrams is enough to give you this experience. Not 50 or 60, but 15. So that's what makes it so beneficial. So if people want to do a ceremony with you, do you have like a website? Uh, yeah, uh, the website is uh, com. That's P-S-I-L-O-H-U-A-S-C-O.com. Silohuasca.com. And uh, there is all information uh, about what we spoke about and where I got... Um, my spiritual um, um, information, my in, in marks, yeah, spiritual teaching from, and something about the, the great water I surf on the weekends, and I love so much, and uh, surely about the weekends we do, and also about the one-on-one -on -one work I do. I do one-on-one -on -one with Toad, and I also do one-on-one -on -one with Siloaska. And one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions are very beneficial because you can do uh, much more personal work, much more psychotherapeutical work. I call this spiritual coaching. And um, you can have this much, much more than on the weekend because uh, my attention is not shared with 12 people, but only there for one client. So a toad one-on-one, uh, -on -one, for example, takes five to six hours. And a psilawaska one-on-one takes, uh, during the night, 24-plus hours. And uh, I work for donations, so I don't have fees or anything. Uh, it's just donation that uh, there is a fair exchange, you know. Uh, yeah, and... We have a, a form, people can write us an email, write me an email, and I will write them back. Well, thank you a lot for taking the time to be on the podcast. Yes, Alex, thank you so much for having me. I mean, you didn't know me, and I really am grateful that you gave me also the chance to speak so much. Uh, you, you left me a lot of room, and uh, I can't say what I said uh, because I didn't think uh, much the past hour but I have a feeling there was much good in there so thank you very much for giving me this space to let that out and uh, thank you all your listeners for uh, listening to us and uh, do you have a donation button on your homepage? Yeah, I do. I never mention it. <laughs> so, guys, you know, help Alex to do his work. I will know go. I will know go. Go ahead and uh, donate some money uh, for your work. Thank you very, very much for what you do. Go to silwaska dot com. That's p s i l o h u a s c a dot com. If you want to find out more about Oliver's work, I will also post some additional links in the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com. And like Oliver mentioned, if you look at the top right of the website, you can find a button that says donation or donate. And uh, this button has been there since the start, but uh, 
I never got a donation and I've never mentioned it, so I guess that's my own fault. But uh, Oliver, he did donate. He said he was going to do that, and he did. And he's actually the first one to do so, so thanks for that. Now, if you're a regular listener, you know that I always end each episode with a song. And I ask always the artist if it's okay to use the song. And uh, more often than not, I actually buy it. Uh, So every episode costs me money. Now, I'm not complaining about that. Uh, You know, after all, I get a pretty cool music collection. Now, the reason I say this is because I enjoy paying for music when it concerns small independent acts. Rolling Stones, Metallica, just download that shit. So if you hear music on this podcast that you like, and just go to the link that I provide and, you know, buy the music and support those independent acts. Uh, So now let's close this episode with a song called No God Can Cage My Love from an EP of the same name by Papaver Cousins. To hear more of their music, go to papavercousins.bandcamp.com That's P-A-P-A-V-E-R cousins.bandcamp.com I'll post some more links in the program notes as usual. Next week is going to be an episode that is actually cancelled. You're just going to have to wait till then to find out what I'm talking about. Freedom is in the mind. The thin man can be happy with his bones like a rose. A prayer, a gospel, tears of solid like a ghost. Benedicta, hold my head. 